0: perhaps 20 years ago. I don't exactly remember the the date, but I always love to watch any type of documentary on, on the beauty of nature, on beauty of universe. It's always delightful to see photographs, pictures of the universe, the colors, extraordinary signs of of this, you know, the, the enormity of the universe, its beauty, the, the uh, incredible number of constellations and, and totally expanding and going beyond. It's impossible for us to even grasp what um, infinity is, because we can only say in mathematical terms, but a little sideways eight, you know, as you know, because it goes into infinity. But the fact is, this is true and this is reality there was a, a, a gentleman who was a scientist, but he did a lot of TV programs, his name is Carl Sagan. And in one of those programs, which I was watching, and he was describing how beautiful this universe is. And he made a statement, he was an atheist, but he made a statement which kind of puzzled me because he used a terminology which didn't seem like a, 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 you know, a terminology for, for atheists, he says, what miracles nature performed in creating this beautiful universe. He used the word, what miracles nature performed. And you know, and and here I am, the word that he's using nature, I would say God. (laughs) So for him, the word nature, which is only a construct, it's a mental construct, it doesn't exist in any place, it's a rational concept we only see particular things, particular, you know, constellations, the light, whatever it may be. To our nature, for us, is only a construct which we say oh, all the created things we put together and say, okay, nature exists only insofar as individual things are, but the concept is only there. But I would have to say that when he said that, it really hit me, he says, you know, you're not that far away from believing God if you love the beautiful creation. And so today, we have to say in that first reading from the Book of Wisdom, this is what the author from the Book of Wisdom speaks. What does he say? He says, foolish were all who failed to know God from studying his works and who consider works themselves as God's. You know, it's there. Our nature, our brain would say, what well, has to come from something, from someone. It just can't be here. And this is how our, our human brain works. The works are great and they're mighty. And the author of, to the Book of Wisdom would say, but God is even more because he made them. We could say there's robots are great. They do so many things but guess who makes them, who programs them? So is robot extraordinarily great, but then a human being or group of human beings had to program the whole thing. And so human beings are greater. This nature is beautiful, complex. Our bodies are beautiful in sense of complex to complexity. Even even studying this, you know, this coronavirus, you know, we find out, you know, you know we have, a, you know, those who had at least natural immunity, or at least those who are sick, you know, they, they, the cells develop, certain type of cells, B, B cells in your, in our, you know, in our, um, you know, uh, uh, bone marrow, and then there's the T cells that recognize the problem and say, produce. How is it possible? There's no brain in cells. And yet, this is how God has designed our body. And you know, in a sense, just everything that we have, you know, the, uh, the way we are. And so, what we have here before us is this. When we look at nature, it should lead us to acknowledging the one who made it, the one who formed it. Even, even from, from uh, Collins, who was part of the team that mapped out the DNA uh, out of 2000, 2,000 uh, scientists, and he, he's known as, he believes in, in what is called intelligent design. Again, the name God. So, so this is what we have here before us. We have, we have nature and we have eyes to see, but we don't exactly see. So, so the, from the Book of Wisdom say, you know, those who at least recognize they're closer to the truth than those who take a bird and make it a god or some other creature or some other things. Or, you know, you would say even further, those who think that the constellations have such power over us. And you know, there's someone who who spoke to me uh, about being involved with all the all the things, new age and everything else waking up in the morning and making sure that all the constellations are there. All the friends would know what I'm supposed to do. It's kind of being enslaved by reading everything that's supposed to be there out there. And yet at the same time, we can just say, Lord, I trust in you. I have confidence, whatever happens to me, because you love me, you take care of me. I don't have to have this weight on me trying to figure out everything when I'm supposed to sleep on the right side, left side. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm making a little humorous here side, but the fact is this, is that why? Because we don't accept the Lord. And this is why St. Paul, when we read early on, a couple of weeks ago about at the beginning of the um, letter to the Romans, St. Saint, Saint Paul says the same thing. You know, we have received the gift of knowledge. We can recognize the signs around us. But he says, but, but then when we begin to worship idols, then we become blind. We can't recognize, we cannot see. And and so therefore we create ways of living or laws for, for ourselves, which are totally foolish. They're destructive. And we know in our culture today, we have often this type of presentation because we have rejected God, his revelation. So therefore we create our own ways of understanding and looking for happiness, which actually does not bring us happiness. If, you know, and this is, I have to say, I used to go to bookstores and I would watch, and you know, the the self-help, all those books which are supposed to make you happy, there are rows and rows and rows. And if one of them was good, then you would need any more because at least one would tell you what exactly brings happiness and doesn't seem to be bringing happiness for that fulfillment because otherwise they would not be multiplying continuously. But at any rate, um, so first today is that from the Book of uh, Wisdom, the Lord is asking us to look again, to recognize him in the grandeur and beauty of, of creation, to see God himself. Religious communities, especially Benedictines, were known to pick up pick a place where they would build monastery in a mountain area or something beautiful view because they wanted to always be inspired to love the Lord who made all these things that our hearts would be so happy knowing that he has given us all these things so that we may we may actually honor him each moment honor each day here on the hill as well looking around God has provided for us beautiful views spectacular in many ways and, and, you know, and, and so the Lord provides us with this inspiration. So to come to know him is important, to come to know him and love him through creation is so, so, um, so important, and especially recognizing each other, the beauty of each person, the complexity and yet beauty, You know the, the gifts which are not only physical, natural gifts, but also spiritual gifts that we possess, the enormity of these graces. But the second thing today is from going from the first reading to the gospel, the Lord is asking us today to be mindful and attentive and always be ready to meet the Lord, always be ready. And so he, he gives us several examples as in days of Noah, you know, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage, everything normal. And It's not, the Lord is not criticizing on any of these, but he says, but then, some were ready, some were not. Noah is ready. The day of Lot, you know, as you know, Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, people were doing the normal things, and yet they were not ready. When, the, when, when the when the situation cataclysm came, the same way, when the Lord comes, when the Son of Man comes and is revealed. And we, yesterday's reading was, you'll you come like a lightning, unexpected. And so, will we be ready? So, so the Lord says, if you're on the rooftop, when you see the sign of Christ, when you see the sign in the skies, then go back. Don't go back to your, to your room or place, whatever it is. But be attentive. Welcome the Lord. Or even, and, and be ready. As you say, there are two women grinding together. One who's left... And one was taken, being united with God. Same thing, those two people in bed, one will be taken, one left. Which means the Lord is saying to us, be attentive and be always ready for the coming of the Son of Man. What would happen if today were he were to come? What would we do? Or perhaps maybe the Lord will call us. As yesterday, one, one, one uh, older member of my community had heart attack. He survived, and yet... We could have been gone, and you know, and so, so it's like this: the Lord provides for us, but we are to be attentive and always looking for Him, always anticipating, longing to be united with Him, and being ready. Being ready. How many times people says to me, uh, "I'm flying, I'm flying, or going on a long journey. I've got to drive, I've got to go to confession." just to make sure I haven't been to confession for a while. And what if the Lord were to call me? What if the Lord were to call me? And so as we read the gospel reading, as we come towards the end of the liturgical year, the Lord is asking us to, to be more mindful of that, which is to come and perhaps sooner than we imagine. We anticipate, we live as though the Lord was not coming tomorrow, but what we have on the other hand, he's still coming to us because he loves us through Eucharist. He comes to us through his word. He cares for us. He wants us to, to be drawn Amen. close to him to Him. And finally today, we honor St. Joseph. at People possibly do not know much about him, but he was born in 1580 and, and he was martyred in in 1627, uh, he was Russian. He was a man, ma- member of the Orthodox Church. Then he studied in Vilnius. Uh, he began to realize that the church is one. The church is one. The church, the Lord not only asked for that unity, so he began to work on behalf of unity of Christians he uh, he began began to promote and care for those who were known as the Uniates, those who have entered were Eastern Rite, Eastern Rite Catholics, Ruthenian Rite, who who uh, who, who entered into the uh, uh, union with Rome and embraced Pope as the Patriarch, and such things occurred already in history, going back over a thousand years. You know, you have different groups that became, like, like in India, um, going back to 1200s, who became uniates under the Pope. You know, there were Eastern Rite Malabar Christians. There, were, throughout the centuries, you had different groups placing themselves under the um, Patriarch of Rome for various reasons. But so he began to work on behalf of that unity. But prior to that, as a student, he embraced uh, under the guidance of the Jesuits who were teaching in Vilnius. He was very much moved by the witness of their life. He himself dedicated himself, entered the basilians which was Eastern Rite, Eastern Eastern uh, religious community. He was ordained priest. And at the age of 37, literally the youngest you could possibly be as a bishop, he, he was made a bishop. He was ultimately mid-archbishop and and in his dedication to the people for the work of unity he he had many many enemies Uh, and ultimately what happened is that he offered his life Uh, he offered his life Uh, the reason i mention him in a special way is because i i knew about from historical perspective who he was But in uh, the early 80s, when I was in Rome at St. Peter's Basilica, I was walking around St. Peter's Basilica and all of a sudden I saw his tomb, his sepulcher at St. Peter's and kind of raised my attention. He says, why would he be here? You know, there are many martyrs all all over the world and yet he ended up there. And it was Pope, Uh, his body was brought to Saint Peter's Basilica, he was he was uh, raised to the honors of the altar by, by uh, Pope. Uh, uh, he was beatified right away, 20 years after his death, but then he became saint um, in 1930s, 1934, and and it was it was a, a special type of of a acknowledgement by Pope Pius XI, and and he he said in a beautiful way, he spoke of him. And as he, you know, not only the Lord wanted us to be one, you know, Jesus prayed that we may be one. And part of the church's characteristic established by Jesus is one holy Catholic and apostolic in that, that unity. However, in historically we know that, that there were divisions that took place. But, um, but the, the, so the unity and agreement among them would endure. God wisely stamped, one might say, the mark of holiness and martyrdom. That, you know, those who were promoters of unity are men who are truly holy, and they're willing to give up their life for unity. And so he he was one of them. So when you speak of this Josephat Saint Josephat, he says, both of these distinctions fell to Josephat, Archbishop of Polotsk of the Slavonic Rite of the Eastern Church. He is rightly looked upon as the great glory and strength of the Eastern right Slavs. Few have brought them to greater honor or contributed more to their spiritual well-being than Joseph, their pastor and apostle, especially when he gave his life as a martyr for the unity of the church. He felt in fact that God had inspired him to restore worldwide unity to the church, and he realized that his greatest chance of success it lay, it lay in preserving the Slavonic Rite and St. Basil's rule of monastic life within one universal church. Concerned mainly with seeing his own people reunited with the See of Peter, he sought out every available argument which would foster and maintain church unity. His best arguments were drawn from liturgical books sanctioned by the fathers of the church, which were common in use among all Eastern Christians, including those who were not. Court. those thoroughly prepared he set out to restore the unity of the church he met with much success but also and also as you know that he laid out his life and his opponents dubbed him as thief of souls the ones because he was able to convince that ultimately the lord wanted us to be one maybe then today as we enter this this wonderful gift of Christ, his gift of himself, his sacrifice, which we offer. that We may once again know that he manifests himself to us in the beauty and grandeur of creation, that he also wants us to be prepared, ready to meet him when he comes, and that he offers to us witnesses, that he is the one, and he's, no, there's no other, and he wants us to be people united, around the gospel, around the the gospel values, but above all our sacraments and the church, church that the Lord has entrusted through his apostles to us. He was the one who gave Peter the responsibility to be the one leading others. And and we, as people of God, that we may defend and protect and work towards unity, defend and protect the, the, the greatness of the gift which the church is, which is the body of Christ, which the Lord has given us everything through this church to attain holiness of life, forgiveness of sins, unity, and ultimately paradise.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking And God bless you.